the Protectors of the Wood podcast. Everything is at stake. The destruction of our planet is becoming real life. This podcast tells the story of misfit teenagers struggling to band together and help our world through this crisis. Episode number 53, Phoebe brings all four together. Phoebe was headed back through the courtyard in a hurry. She opened the front door and there was Gilligan standing right in front of her. He had obviously been watching through the glass. The store was empty. How's the boy? How's the boy? I think he's okay. He might have a concussion. One of the customers said he might be dead. And what was the chief doing here? He doesn't come out for every little thing. They're going to check the boy out at the hospital. Don't hide it. The chief was worried. Talking to you in the corner like that. He was warning you about these things that you're doing. I've been meaning to talk to you. No store does these things. They're going to sue me for everything I'm worth. And there's no insurance for it. I'll lose the store. I'm ruined. No, everything's fine. The boy wasn't even hurt in the courtyard. The accident happened out on the street. A driver was at fault, who, who incidentally left the scene of an accident. Chief Santiago's looking into it. He said to thank you for letting me take care of it. We're good Samaritans, helping people from the goodness of our hearts. Gilligan stopped and considered this. His hysteria seemed to evaporate. <sighs> okay, that puts a different light on things. That certainly helps, for now. But Phoebe, I've got to say this. It could have happened the other way, and someday it will and we'll be in big trouble. I'm not arguing. I agree with you. You've got a point, a very good point. I happen to know that Sammy's going to see a lawyer over the next couple of days, a man who advises my father. I'm going to bring him to see you. Ask him anything. Let's see where we stand. In the meantime, I think we're doing good. People are having fun. You're making money. Everybody's winning, as I can see it. Our biggest problem is that we need help, and we need it quick. We've got way too much business now for the two of us. I want to recommend someone who could start helping us tomorrow. Oh, that's right. Is that why you've got George and that girl stuck in the back room? I heard their voices in the empty store like ghosts. It was all I could do to open the door. They say they're waiting for you, but why aren't they out here like everybody else? Well, it, it was crowded then. I, I've got to talk to them, but I don't think either one can work. But Louis, 
The kid with the ponytail who's been helping me with soccer? He can work for minimum wage starting tomorrow. Believe me, he gets things done. Hmm, I don't know. I need to think about it. My nerves are shot. I thought this was gonna be a nice, calm little river, and now we're shooting the rapids. Yeah, I feel that way too. But you like it, I don't. But Gilligan, you're good at this. Look at the progress we've made together. Aren't you proud of it? You're successful. Do you think so? As you say, look at the bottom line. Did you count the money in the register today? Indeed. Our best day yet. I had to phone in half a dozen new orders. Okay. Now, let me talk to George and Abby and see what they want to do. You can take it easy for a while. I'll close up. Abby. Abby. Where did I hear that name? I mentioned her to you last week as someone who might want to work here. Mm, yes, but there's something else. Is that Abby Chapman? This guy asked me a couple of weeks ago if I'd seen her. Uh, can we just leave that alone? They froze as they noticed the front door opening very slowly and quietly. Jeremy peeked his head into the store. Phoebe breathed a sigh of relief. I... I thought you might be closed. But the front gate's open. Ah, we are closed. But I can't seem to get out of here tonight. It's alright, Gilligan. Go ahead. We can talk about this tomorrow. Really, don't worry. Everything's gonna be okay. Sometimes it seems like I'm the kid and you're the adult. Don't laugh. Alright, alright, I'm going. It'll make more sense to talk about this tomorrow. Keep her out of trouble, Jeremy. And turn off the air conditioner. I'll lock the gate. We don't want people wandering in here. Gilligan glanced at Phoebe one more time as if seeking assurance that all would be fine. And then he waved and disappeared out the door. She turned the lock behind him. Phoebe and Jeremy looked at each other. A spark in their eyes confirmed that something very significant had happened that morning. They hugged and kissed on the cheek, relieved that they could signal something so delicate without words, and yet, without a doubt. I know I'm late. Jim returned with news. We've got Abby and George back there. Any news, just for me? A message from your father. They found the hay bale garden stripped clean, but they're not backing down. They're going to start deliveries of the new vegetables from the farms. Jim says they're not afraid. That's about it. 
Phoebe turned and speed limped to the back hall and opened the storage room door. That's wonderful! Boy, you take your time. Don't you know we've got things to do? Wait till you hear all this heavy-duty gossip. We've got serious business. George entered the front room with his hands full of containers and bags and a folder of papers under his arm. He said hi to Jeremy and set his things down on the children's table in the book corner where Phoebe had taken a seat on a tiny chair. Abby followed slowly, looking things over. She finally picked out a chair off to the side next to the display of a cardboard clubhouse for children. George pulled his chair over near her. They smiled and their eyes shone. Jeremy sat down in an open spot, making an uneven circle. This room is suffocating. How did you stand it? Lock the window and bring the coffee and iced tea and muffins out here. I'm starving. This is an emergency meeting tonight. I need to talk right away. I'm not kidding. I've got news too. Short, but you've got to hear it before we leave. George checked his watch. It's almost nine, and we have to catch Sammy before he locks up at 9.45. They looked at each other, waiting for someone to speak. Abby, anything urgent? This is where I want to be. I arrived just in time. You've got a lot to say, too. That's all right. I'll wait. All eyes turned to George. He hesitated, looked around, and sighed. I've just had this crazy experience right across the street at the Middletown Standard. You know, I take photos for the editor, Peabody. I went in a few hours ago to print some out and decide which ones to show Peabody. The place was empty, except for Peabody in his office, in the back. I knocked and asked if I could use his computer and the printer. He was on the phone and yelling to go ahead. I sat in the open cubicle in front and I looked at the photos on the screen and printed out a few. I noticed something that shook me. George reached out and took a swallow of Phoebe's coffee. No one spoke. At lunch today, I went over to the Owens mansion to take some more photos Peabody wanted. The place seemed deserted. I just walked around taking nice shots. A couple of them included that crow's nest thing they've got on top. When I examined them on the screen, I noticed the guy up there and he was holding something. I blew it up on the computer and printed it out. What does that look like to you? It's a rifle.
You can see the barrel and the beginning of the stock. I'm sure it's a rifle. That's what I thought. I was looking at this when suddenly the door opened and a man walked right by me. He was so intent on getting to Peabody, he didn't even see me. He opened Peabody's office door and started right in. Like they've been arguing already. This guy just lit into Peabody saying things like, When you work for me, I expect obedience. Peabody replied, Calm down, Milton. I I'm sure we can work this out. I realized the guy was Morphe. And there I was, listening to their conversation, with the photos in my hand and on the computer. And one of the things they were arguing about was me taking photos of the new house. Peabody said, It would make a good article and improve your image in the town. You don't have the common touch, Milton. People find you a, a bit arrogant. Morphe was having none of that. He said, Look, Jerome, I want those photos retrieved and destroyed. Do you hear me? Never assign anyone to photograph my house. And any article about anything connected to me must be approved by me personally. Do you hear me? That's really how this guy talks. I erased the photos of the house, and then I heard some incredible stuff. Morphe was giving instructions to Peabody on how to report on a police action that Morphe expects on this Friday night. He listed off a whole bunch of things, like fire code violations, runaway teenagers, cabaret and alcohol violations, and even endangering the morals of a minor. We are going to break them. Do you hear me? Break them! He went on to order Peabody to never write anything positive about the toy store or the coffee shop again. And then he said, I want that boy fired. The one who photographed my house and is part of that so-called concert across the street. I want him fired. Peabody protested. The kid was only following orders. He's a good kid. Uh, he works for Scudder and his parents own the gift shop. It might be helpful to have an employee with inside knowledge and access to the other side. And Morphe replied, Hmm. Now you're thinking. That's something we need. Maybe you and I can do business after all. 
let me tell you, I've got a new plan. <laughs> I heard the office door close and muffled voices. I grabbed my printouts and camera and slipped out the front door and came here by the back way. I don't think anyone knows I heard all this. That is so fantastic, George. Whoa, so well done. This gives us a chance to warn Sammy and protect ourselves. You are right, Jeremy. He is angry and vicious in ways I never expected. They are stepping up their game. Jeremy was studying a folder of papers. I'd like to show these to Jim. Can I take them? Get them away from me. I'm going to tell Peabody they are overexposed. I used the wrong lens. You know, I'm glad now that I work at Scudder's. I'm a double agent. It's true, but it's scary. These people will stop at nothing and hate even the most innocent activities. They seem to hate us. I'm sorry, everyone, but look at the time. We've got to get out of here in 20 minutes. The news could save Sammy from a disaster. And some of you may not know that Morphe has at least three more observation posts. One on the roof of the Milton Town Hospital. It seems we hear about a new one every day. His staff are stationed all around town looking for, well, we'll have to talk about what they're looking for. But one thing's for sure. They're watching us very carefully. And Abby, we haven't forgotten Phoebe's party. We know they're especially looking for you. I've learned to take care of myself. They're no match for me in the forest, or even in town. Now that I don't stay with Glenda, I worry about no one. They're probably watching these backyards. They'll see you leaving here, and follow you. And I'd like George to get out of here without being seen with you. Even if you're not afraid, we've got to protect George's role in this. I understand. I can sleep on the bench and slip out the back in a few hours. Once you guys leave, they'll lose interest. I'm sure they didn't see me coming in. I'm used to them by now. I know their faces, their cars, their habits. I can spot them a mile off. I'm smart about this. That jerk on top of the house can't see me even with a telescope. She motioned toward the house with contempt. I arrived under trees and screened by houses. Someone could be in that courtyard looking through this window and he'd never see me. I think about where to sit, where to walk, where to stand, and how to escape if things go wrong. I think about every little thing I do. Phoebe, George, and Jeremy glanced around. 
noticing the way the cardboard clubhouse hid Abby from the windows. Well, you're an example for all of us. We're just beginners. Hmm. If only I could do some other things as well. We'll work together. We're thrilled to have you with us. But if I hear you say it's all okay, there's nothing compares with that sound. I'm lost, but now I'm found. God help the shape that I'm in. God help the shape that I'm in. Just come back to me I'll be yours for free I'll do all the good I can do It's just that I need you I care about a lot of things, I guess I try and I try just to do my best But if it's not right with you, there's nothing I can do. I'm lost before I begin. God help the shape I'm in. God help the shape that I'm in. God help the shape that I'm in. Just come back to me, I'll be yours for free, I'll do all the good I can do, it's just that I need you. Sometimes I'm stumbling through my day, and there's no light upon the way. There's nothing I can see, it's dark as can be. Hold my hand and see me through. I'm lost if I don't have you. God help the shape that I'm in. God help the shape that I'm in. Just come back to me, I'll be yours for free, I'll do all the good I can do, it's just that I
Thanks for listening to the Protectors of the Wood podcast. Find all our podcasts, songs, and projects on our website, protectorsofthewood.com. And to all the eco-warriors out there, remember that everyone can make a difference and every action counts.